that everything you want is already here. You have a desire with a capital D, then the way to make it manifest is already here. Everything's already been created. And it's our decision with a capital D that activates it and brings it, starts to bring it to us for a whole bunch of reasons. And I can honestly assure you that as soon as you make it non-personal, the quality of decisions that you make, the capacity to expand your vision, the ability to flow money a lot differently, the, the ability to invest differently in the company and the expansion of the company is different. And yes, it's personal and everything we do is personal, right? But it just allowed me to make better decisions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not being afraid to fail and detaching myself from the outcome. So whether it happens or not, it doesn't matter as long as I gave it my best shot and I'm really happy with the effort of that. What got you here won't get you there. It's time to uncover the micro shifts required to take your income, influence, and impact to the next level. I'm Melanie Benson. And I'm Samantha Riley. And this is our weekly show for experts and business leaders who are influencing people's decisions to make a greater impact and shatter their revenue goals in the process. Welcome to the Next Level Influence Show. Now let's get started. Melody, I'm so excited today. We've got another panel episode and we have three amazing ladies who are going to deep dive into talking about their biggest learnings into what propelled them into seven figures and beyond. And why I'm so excited about this is that I was having a quick look at the latest stats and the latest stats show that only 4.2% of female founders earn over $1 million a year. So when you and I were talking about putting this panel together, and we were throwing around names. I remember you saying, why don't we just make this like females? And I got so excited and went, yes, let's do this. I love it. I love talking to women about money, especially women who are shattering limits and, you know, they're, they're accessing next levels of impact and income. And there's so much we can learn from each other that I think like, not only does it kind of pave a path and show us where we can go, I think for some people, we, it's almost like it turns on this permission slip saying, oh, yeah, okay, yes, this is for me. This is something I can do. And so as you're listening in today, I want you to tune into not just the message and the learnings and, and the information that's coming through, but also there's a frequency that's active right now in this space where each of these women who have tapped into financial abundance like this tap into the frequency with us, tap in and, and let that be a, a catalyst for you today. Absolutely. So let's jump in and welcome our guests. We have Jennifer Longmore, Elizabeth Purvis and Issa Herrera. Let's do a quick round of introductions. So Jennifer, let's start with you. I'd love you to share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you. I knew you were going to pick me first. Speaking of frequency, <laughs> Melanie. I uh, just knew that. So thank you for having me. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jennifer Longmore and I've owned Soul Journeys, founder of Soul Journeys, which I've been at for almost two decades. We'll be doing our 20th anniversary next month. So by the way, if you have any good ideas for us for a big celebration for our community, that would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> I live in Canada. You can probably hear my accent. And I have a son, a husband, a dog. I live in the forest. And that's a little about me. Awesome. Well, welcome. Elizabeth, I'd love you to go next. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Elizabeth Purvis. I am the creator, founder, and now author of Seven Figure Goddess. It's my company name. It's also the name of my book. 
And like Jennifer, I've been at this for a really long time. (laughs) My favorite thing to do is to help transformational leaders really get their offers and their messaging down in such a way that they can go to seven figures as fast or slow as they want to. Uh, Your offer is a huge part of leverage and the actual messaging that you use, especially if you're a transformational leader and you kind of don't, you know, you do something kind of deep and esoteric. And that's what we do on the, on the strategy side of things. Love it. Welcome. Love it. And Isa, I would love you to do an introduction and share a little about a little bit about what you're doing in the world. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Super psyched to be here. So much gratitude for that. I'm Isa Herrera and I am the founder and creator of Pelvic Pain Relief and Ruganic Supplements. I'm, I've also written five books on the topic of pelvic floor health and I live in Miami and I love sharing this kind of information, you know, to women everywhere. So I'm super excited to be here. Welcome. And you say your name so much more beautifully than I say it. <laughs> that sounded absolutely stunning. <laughs> so so I'd love to start straight up off the bat with what is the biggest learning that moved your revenue into that seven figure mark? Because I know that there's a lot of people, as Melanie said, that get stuck at six figures. I know that for me, it was quite easy to get to six figures. And I sort of got stuck in that middle, like 300 to 500 for a bit. But for me, once I figured out what it was, we made that jump into a million within six months. So Easter, I'd love to start with you. What was that learning that helped you move into that seven figure mark? Well, thank you for asking. That's a great question. I would say three things. I think perfecting my webinar uh, strategy series, I think that that was really important bringing on really high quality affiliates who believe in my mission and were there to support my mission and support the work that I do. And the other thing, it was really, really getting really and narrowing in on the messaging, right? Mm. For my community. I think those were the three things that really brought me from six to seven figures in the online world. Cause in the brick and mortar, I was already there a long time ago. Yeah. And it is, I love that you made that clarification because it is quite different in the online world. And I think you mentioned messaging there, and that is so much more important in online than from what we discovered in the, you know, bricks and mortar business. So Jennifer, I'd love you to share for you what it was, because you've also had that transition from, I believe that transition from traditional business into online business. Yeah, kind of. Thanks for asking. So I should have mentioned before that soul journeys, I guess it's implied, we we sell the woo, right? We deal with all the healy feelies. We um, are the number one Akashic Record training school in the world. And that's part of how I grew an eight-figure company, right? Because I created an asset. Now that wasn't intentional, but that was just kind of what happened because of other people's prompting actually. But I would say there was a few things. One is that I really had to be committed to operating from my zone of genius instead of my zone of competence. Zone of competence mm-hmm. is all stuff you can delegate. Mm-hmm. Zone of genius is stuff that you just can't. So I would say that, and that was tricky because we all do this, right? We're all highly competent individuals. And so we can do a lot, but just because we can do it doesn't mean that we're the ones that should do it. The second thing that I did was I really stopped referring to it as my company And I started referring Mm -hmm. to it as the company. And I can honestly assure you that as soon as you make it non-personal, the quality of decisions that you make, the capacity to expand your vision, the ability to flow money, right? A lot differently, the, the ability to 
invest differently in the company and the expansion of the company is different when you can look at it almost like a Target or a Walmart or whatever and be like, okay, what's reasonable for a customer to expect when they come to shop at a company like this? And yes, it's personal and everything we do is personal, right? But for it, it just allowed me to make better decisions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Oh my goodness. I am loving this so much. This makes so much sense. Elizabeth, what was it for you that shifted that needle and had you making that leap into the seven figure mark? Yeah. Thank you for asking. And I just like, I could just be all over like white on rice on what Jennifer said about, <laughs> yeah. you know, thinking as a company. And I didn't do that back then. Like I wasn't quite there in my consciousness back in the day. And, you know, Jennifer was very present for this process. I have to say, we've known each other for a long time. And for me, honestly, it was about making a decision to do it. Mm -hmm. So in addition to, you know, offers and strategy and all those things, I'm also heavily woo and, and work the magics and everything. And, and if I could really, you know, share, if I just had like, if I could like drill down and say, you know, one message I have for the whole planet, it's that everything you want is already here. Mm. Right. If we have a desire with a capital D, then the way to make it manifest is already here. Everything has already been created. And it's our decision with a capital D that activates it and brings it, starts to bring it to us for a whole bunch of reasons. And I, you know, I have always danced with a lot of resistance. Like I've got like <laughs> my resistance is always on, you know, high or whatever. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is just a decision. Like it's just a decision to do it and say yes and follow through, right? Because, because inherent in making a decision is the actual following through. And at the end of the day, it's totally possible for everyone here. You know, it's within the realm of possibility if you decide to do it and then you follow through and do what's being asked of you to make it happen. Mm. Oh my goodness. So powerful, Melanie. I'm getting chills. <laughs> very good. Very uh, powerful moment there. And it is a perfect segue, Elizabeth, I'm going to tap right back into you here for a minute, okay. because in my experience, money and our mind, our mindset, our beliefs, yeah. our ideas are what possible. They're so linked together. And so I've just become super curious how mindset factored into you being able to make that decision yeah. that allowed you to break that seven figure barrier. Well, it's funny. It's kind of like the decision always if that came first. I was just, and that's always how I operate when I manifest things. I'm just like, all right, this is the decision. And we step over the line, you know, and years ago I was in a certification and someone had me, you know, step over a line to make a decision. And it really stayed, stayed with me. So once I did that, I have, you know, I've got a background, all kinds of things. I've been through Jennifer's work, the Akashic records and neuro-linguistic programming and NLP and coaching and all things. And one of my favorite frames to come from is how can I make this inevitable? And I remember asking myself, like, how do I set this up so that I couldn't stop the train, even if I wanted to, like, I asked myself that question. And for me, I was like, okay, one of my stopping points is here. One of my stopping points is here. One of my stopping points is over here. Like, I'm always looking at kind of like, what is the thing that I do? Right. And I coach my clients in the same way. Like, well, what's the thing you're going to do when you hit, when you hit the ceiling or when you hit the thing, like, where do you stop? What's your stopping point? And I swear to goodness, I asked myself how to make it inevitable. And from the offer standpoint that, you know, the channels that dropped in pretty quickly, but then I was like, all right, what are all the things I'm that I could do? How are all the ways that I could possibly mess this up? 
And I went and systematically hired someone for each of those areas. Mm, Mic drop. I love that. I said, okay, I know that I'm going to wiggle over here. So I'm going to put my support plan in place for this thing. I'm going to wiggle over here and I'm going to put my support plan in this, you know, in this area. And I'm going to wiggle over here and I'm going to put support in here because you're not like, we're never doing anything alone either, which I think is another important thing for people to hear. And I remember I used to think like, well, I'm going to be the one who gets magic into the mainstream all by myself. I'm going to be the one who, you know, achieves this big goal or creates or receives this big goal on my own. And that's never the case. We're always co-creating. And I just, I remember it was very, very intentional about here's what I'm going to do. I want to make this inevitable. So here's how I'm going to set it up so that no matter what amount of wiggling I do, (laughs) it's still going to happen. I love that. I love this framework of how do I make this inevitable? You know? Yeah. That's such a beautiful framework. Okay. Jennifer, I can feel your energy just popping right now. <laughs> Let's move to you because I, I know you you do so much of this work and I'm just kind of curious, was there a mindset shift or an up-leveling or some kind of a rewiring that had to occur for you to be able to step into being that woman who could break the seven-figure barrier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I mean, boy, I I know we all have so many stories, right? I think of when I first upgraded my vehicle to a Lexus and I was, it was a few days before I was driving to this really poverty consciousness sort of healing center to teach an Akashic Records class. And I was aware because everyone knows how much they're paying. And I just know how people think that they're counting around the room going, okay, well, Jennifer's made this much today because, you know, whatever. And then I have the audacity to pull up and I'm supposed to be this reverent healy feely person wearing, you know, Birkenstocks and granola and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I pull up in this bright, shiny Lexus and I was nervous to pull in the parking lot. It didn't occur to me until I was five minutes away. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are people going to think of me? And I thought I'd cleared that. Right. But I think we make a lot of decisions through the lens of, am I going to be perceived as a B or will, will this Mm -hmm. person think I am and tell everyone that I am? And So point is, is that I really learned to shift out of being a manager to a CEO. And what I mean by that is that it's not my job to manage stuff. It's not my job to manage other people's emotions or projections. It's not my job to manage optics. It's not my job to manage time. It's not my job to manage my household, right? And if I'm going to be truly operating as a CEO in my life and business, then what kind of decisions do I need to make that are going to allow me to be truly embodied in that CEO energy? Now, I'm not perfect at this, but I really do catch myself and and work, or I'm diligent, I should say, I didn't want to say work hard, at really catching myself. Am I being a manager right now? And then I ixnay that Mm. and I look for a way out of that. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love the shift from, you know, owning things to like the CEO energy of like, hey, what would a CEO be like? What's that vibration? What's that way of handling things? It's so beautiful. Mm. Isa, what about you? How did mindset factor in for you? So first of all, great responses. I mean, love, love everything that Jennifer and Elizabeth said. So kudos to you guys. I think for me, for my mindset, the main thing for me was really not being afraid to fail and detaching myself from the outcome. So whether it happens or not, it doesn't matter. As long as I gave it my best shot, I gave it my best shot and I'm really happy with the effort of that. So stepping outside of 
I failed. I mean, I think that was the, the, the most important thing for me. And also knowing that I wear the white hat, knowing that I'm the one that's bringing the healing, that I'm bringing the messaging, that I'm bringing the goodness and not to be afraid to show up in the world and to sell. I mean, one of my biggest thing, it was like, well, oh, I'm too salesy. Oh, I'm not going to send out an email. I'm not going to do this. And now <laughs> I come from a different approach. I'm a mission driven, you know, entrepreneur. And I really, really focus on like, how can I bring more healing to the world? And when you come from that perspective, the failures, everything else is so much more easier to experience and to handle. So I think that was the critical thing. And, and to know that, that I have to trust myself, that I listen to my intuition, that I tap into what it is that I want to do. And if it feels right for me, it feels right. And I go with my yeses and I'm a real stickler for no's. So mm -hmm. if it's a no, it's a no, and no one can change my mind. So I really listen to my yeses and I follow my yeses. So I think that that would be the mindset that I really had to really shift coming from, you know, a clinic on Madison Avenue to online, which is like two whole different animals. I was like, whoa, this is very, very different from being a clinic owner to owning a company that is everyone is virtual. I know I don't see half my staff unless we're having a meeting. So that, that was my mindset shift. Love that. So powerful. I was just thinking, and Sam, I'm actually going to ask you if you want to answer this too, because I know for me, like kind of tapping into what Elizabeth was saying, for me, it started with what is the version of me that already has that kind of success? And how do I live that version now? Like, what do I have to let go of? What identities, what beliefs have to dissolve? And what would I think? How would I make those decisions already? And so for me, it was, I, I've also studied neuro-linguistic programming and using those frameworks really shifted a lot of my, you know, blocks that I had brought from childhood and, you know, all of the old patterns and not that they don't exist. Like, I think we could all honestly say there are moments where those old parts of us resurface and we have to keep doing the work. Like consciousness and mindset is an all the time thing. Mm -hmm. So that's my, what I, I recognized in myself. Mm -hmm. Sam, do you want to answer that before we get into our next question? Yeah, of course. And I think that what I'm going to answer is the golden thread through everyone. Everyone's stories is, is unique to them, but there is a golden thread of, we just made this decision and we stopped listening to what other people were saying or stopped worrying about their perception. This is the, the golden thread. And for me, I think my situation's a little bit unique in that I started my business before social media. So I didn't know anyone else. I didn't worry about what anyone else was saying because they weren't. I had come from a company, a McDonald's, which is one of the biggest companies in the world, or it certainly was back then. So I knew systems. So for me, I had a very unique situation that I just knew that I could have a million dollar business. I never had this really weird thought of it's a big thing or, you know, other people can't do it because for me, I just knew that I wanted it. I knew that I could, I knew about systems and I just did it. So I actually find it a little bit more difficult now with social media, with, mm -hmm. you know, having to pay attention to those other voices are getting into my head a little bit much. I need to pull back. So yeah, for me, it was just, I just knew that I could and I wanted it and I did it. Boom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's change a little bit because 
we've all talked about what got us there, but I think it's always really interesting to think if we went back in time, knowing what we know now, what is something that we would do differently or what is something that we would do sooner? Elizabeth, I'd love to start with you. You know, knowing where you are now or what you know, what is one thing that you would do sooner? Yeah, one thing I would have done, like my journey has always included a zillion pivots, you know, and I think a lot of, I know a lot of the, uh, you know, the the leaders that we work with can relate to that. They have an idea and they, they, you know, channel it and off it goes. And then they have another idea and they channel it and off it goes. And on the one hand, that can work really, really well. And then there's also something really gratifying about landing the plane and creating, and I'll circle back to something Jennifer said at the beginning, creating your assets and seeing your programs and your content and your materials as the assets they are and investing in those assets so that they can be the channels that hold the, hold the abundance, right? And I did some of that for sure, no question, but I also, you know, I'm very creative. I'm constantly making new things, which is great, but it also at a certain point, you know, you, every, I tell our clients, every time you do it, you're essentially opening up a little portal that needs to be maintained and like needs to be fed and needs to be cared for. And it's something that I see a lot of our clients struggle with. And I know for myself, like I, I did a lot of kind of this gyrating around before really being like, all right, I'm landing the plane and this is what I'm choosing to focus on. And this is what I'm really sticking my stake in the ground. Cause we can all, I mean, I get, I am multi-passionate out the wazoo. I was an engineer before doing this. Right. And there's a lot of things we can teach. And, you know, similar to this, it's like, there were my ideas of what, because I've always had a really clear mission and there are ideas of how that's going to express itself. And of course, there's a zillion different ways that your mission and your vision and your purpose can express itself. And I I had my vision for it, but my vision for it wasn't exactly what I was being called or asked to do. And I was in a lot of like back and forth around that. And I, if I could go back and do it again, it's like, what am I really being asked? And can I get fully on board with the thread and land the plane sooner so I can start to free up my energy more? Hopefully that makes some sense. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks that I see, they, they really derail themselves because they kind of can't pick a horse and ride it. And they don't see the value of the things that they're creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that so much and totally agree. And I think that some of that comes from, and I could be wrong, but I feel that some of that comes from people being too afraid to go, this is actually what I'm really passionate about. Yeah. This is what I really want to do and being afraid to make that decision. Yeah. Love that so much. Isa. I just cannot wait to hear your answer to this one. I'm going to tell you something. I can go on for like three hours on this one, but <laughs> I'm going to stick with something that I think is helped me the most. I'm a firm believer in having a mentor and really vetting a mentor and vetting the individuals that I work with. In the beginning, I wasn't as diligent as I am now in making sure that these individuals are there to really fully support me. There's a lot of talk out there, but talk is cheap. Okay. So I would really vet the individual. I would ask for references because I can't tell you how many times I've worked with a coach, I've taken a course or hired someone to do my tech and been completely and utterly disappointed. 
disappointed in the services. So now when I work with someone, I work with someone who's at eight figures and beyond because that's where, you know, where I aspire to be. So I would make sure that you really surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. They create a beautiful sofa so that you can have this symphony, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not, there's, there's no sofa, there's no like puffy cloud. And then you're just out there alone. You know? So I love having coaches. So I have like three, but you know, that's my thing. So I love having like a, a think tank where I could like say, I, you know, I get a lot of ideas, as you know, I'm like always like, they call me the rabbit brain, right? <laughs> so it's true. I have the rabbit brain, you know, just like Elizabeth said, I'm constantly creating. So I like when somebody tells me, okay, let's focus in. Let's So to have that team is very important for me. So it also mm. helps me stay really, really taking care of myself and being diligent with my own self-care, right? Because sometimes we neglect our own self-care. And I think that that's something that's really, really important. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have worked myself to the bone. I would have taken better care of myself throughout the whole process. Because it's really mm. easy to lose yourself in your mission, to lose yourself in the process and then you wake up and you're exhausted, you're burnt out, you have adrenal fatigue. I mean, you name it, right? Been there, had it all. So I think those would be my words of wisdom for everyone. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I also know that myself, I could also wear that sweatshirt, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, it's a message that I hear coming up often that if I could go back, I would definitely take more care of being able to manage my energy through that that sort of that hustle period. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing. And Jennifer, knowing what you know now, what is one thing that you would do sooner? Well, first of all, I want to say, Issa, the rabbit brain in me salutes the rabbit brain in you. (laughs) 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 And I agree with you on mentorship. I didn't even know that business coaching was a thing until five years into business. I was sharpening my saw right? As far as my skills, but I didn't know that I could have that. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle because I would say for sure, I wish I had a hired team sooner. I had a story that nobody's going to be able to help me. Like how could they possibly help someone so woo and whatever and hiring a mentor. But what, what I think is interesting, and I know there's a lot of people listening that are in this situation. When I had my first 500k leap, And I was coming from being a public servant for many years, right? So I was used to having just enough money to get by or not quite enough. And then I'm having these big amounts of money come in. I didn't know how to hold it. Mm. And so because I was still operating from the mindset of I need just enough to get by. And I know I'm a master of just having enough to get by. I didn't know what to do with the excess. Mm. And it stressed me out. And then on top of that, then I, it's not that I became complacent in business, but I, I didn't know how to also give myself permission to have more just because I could. And I didn't know how to keep expanding the company with that mindset, if that makes sense. So I think one of the things we really learn to master when we're, cause I see this with women across the board, right? As soon as they hit around that 500 K mark, they'll contract There'll be just different things that happen where they don't give themselves permission to go more or they'll stay there. They'll plateau there for years and years and years and then go down a shame spiral. What's wrong with me? How come everyone else is doing it? How come I'm not doing it? Whatever. And so when I gave myself permission to uh, thrive in the overflow, really learn how to hold more like greater and greater amounts of money and thrive in the overflow without apology, 
that is something I wished I had learned sooner than I actually did. Mm, Unapologetic is one of my favorite words because when we can be unapologetic about what we want, it just changes the narrative. I love that so much. Melanie, is there anything that you would like to add before we move on? Well, you and I have had this conversation a lot. Yes. A lot. I mean, I've, my brain is just sparked in so many ways. And, you know, I was thinking of two different things, one of which is this essence of a bottleneck, like how often we have the vision and I'm a human design manifester. So this comes up a lot. Like you see what's possible. You have this vision and then, you know, you get in the way, like your lack of ability to steer the ship properly or have the right support or have the right processes. And, you know, before we kind of close out, I just got really curious you know, if anyone else was right. And, and it also could be our money management systems, right? Like can become a bottleneck. And I think Jennifer, you were alluding to that a little bit. Like, I was just curious if anybody else was recognizing at a certain stage, you had to let go of being a bottleneck and shift out of being that bottleneck and really let go so that the business could become bigger. Mm. And we'll just open that up if anybody's resonating with that or saw that as part of their their own transformation they had to go through. It's like, I got to stop being a bottleneck here. Yeah, Jennifer, then Elizabeth. I'm a bottleneck right now. Uh I'm a bottleneck right now in my company. I think that happens at every stage. And I hear this a lot because even someone that goes from eight figures to nine figures will tell you that they had to really learn to just totally release being a CEO and just be a founder Mm -hmm. and like really let their team handle it, right? They were bottlenecking some decisions or costing the company money because they were getting involved in stuff that they no longer had a business to get involved in, if you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. For me right now, and I'm sharing this because I feel like it would be of service. I, I, I mean, this is what I know being of service, right? And I love talking to people. I don't need clients. I, I choose to still work with people one-on-one, but there's a lot of programs that I offer. And Elizabeth knows this because I have rabbit brain and I love constantly loving up my community with, Oh, here's another new, you know, course we can do together. But what I realized is that, you know, going back to the company, the company provides these services. I don't need to provide these services. Mm. I can choose to, but where I'm bottlenecked right now and I'm actively hiring. So don't worry. I'm, I'm a generator. I'm on it quickly is there are some programs that we can still serve people, but it doesn't need to be me being the service provider. Right. And so I'm stepping out even more of providing service while the company is still providing high caliber service. I don't need to be the person responsible for that. Mm. Love that so much. Yeah. Elizabeth, do you want to add some? Yeah, that's a transition we've been making as well. And we have a very high touch, very fiddly, get in there, get in the weeds with people. And I had to really look at, well, what need of mine is getting met by staying in this? What dopamine hit is happening right now? Uh (laughs) How is serving my need to feel important and busy and this, that, and the other thing? And I feel like that's a big piece of what you're talking about, Jennifer, is like, what am I getting out of this? Because it could be any way I want. What am I getting out of this by staying in it and getting clear about that? And like, how am I going to get that met elsewhere? And what does that shift for me? You know? Yeah, totally. Issa, you want to add anything? I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing the same thing as, as Jennifer and Elizabeth. I am the bottleneck. And I also have to constantly ask myself, what is the dopamine hit here? What is it that that is serving me, what part of my ego needs to die (laughs) in order for me to 
step away. And I've been doing a lot, a lot of that. And it is really hard because I'm like this. I'm like, oh, and then I have to go back. And I just have to step out of it to let everybody else be in their zone of genius. And that's really hard when you are really a hands-on kind of individual. So I'm learning. It's a process. And, you know, I'll get there when I get there. But, yeah, being the bottleneck is not fun. And, and so I have my team even tells me, you're not allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. In the beginning, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? But now I'm like, okay, I'm out. You know, this is yeah. not my thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a much needed move. And I certainly noticed it in a way that I knew that I needed to hire. I knew that I needed to remove myself. But I was always taught or what was always heard in my family was, you need to work hard to do well. And I didn't realize how much that was playing out until I realized on my days off, I would, you know, what's going on? I'll go into work or I'll, you know, I'll jump in or I'll micromanage. That's how it was showing up. I was micromanaging people because I had this belief that I had to work hard. So it's funny how it shows up in different ways, but definitely the bottleneck, I would agree, ladies, it is and has been and still is the biggest thing that we deal with. And even in our Slack channel, we actually have a channel called Bottlenecks. And everyone must put in, if there's a bottleneck, they have to put it in straight away before it gets forgotten so that we can deal with it. So it's a definite thing. How many times is your name in that channel? <laughs> right? I it's am like, the I think hero about my, of for that channel. <laughs> I am always telling my team, call me out if I'm the bottleneck. And and I'll just own mine. It's been through history. Like I'm two decades in and keep going strong. And I continue to have trust issues be my number one bottleneck. I have such a hard time letting other people, you know, take ownership. And so that's been my growing edge is constantly coming back to how do I let go so people can own this? And I'm not in there fiddling and figuring and you know, letting my overcompetent brain, like try to solve the problem. And so that I think for so many of us, it's like the identity of I am the doer has to be released to I am the the space holder and I my job is to lead, right? Mm, so mm. Sam, I'll pass it to you to close us out. Well, what I was going to say is what I'm loving about this conversation is that there's a lot of people that think that person there, they're successful and they put people on pedestals. And what we're hearing here is it is a constant evolution that we're all constantly growing and there is never a, we've reached it because there's always something more. And I think that that's a really important lesson to take away that the ladies here on the panel are just so, so successful financially. They've got amazing companies that have grown to, to really fabulous places, but there's still that growth that needs to happen all the time. And we never get, and I'll put it in air quotes, there. We never get there. Yeah, well said. Yeah, so before we close out, I guess the the thing is we want to give you a chance to share like how people can connect with you. If you've got a resource that might make perfect sense here, Isa, what would be the best place for people to connect with you beyond today? Thank you for asking me that. The best way to connect with me is to go to pelvicpainrelief.com and check out the website and see what, you know, aligns with you, what gravitates with you and sign up for the newsletter if you like, but know that I do send emails. So get ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I broke that barrier. 
And I do have a little gift for everyone. I'm, I'm a big productivity <laughs> individual. I mean, I'm all about productivity in a way that makes sense, that's gentle, that really aligns with my soul. So I created a little handout for the professionals that I that are in my orbit. So I'll share that with your community. It's called 10 Effective Productivity Hacks for Lady Bosses. So if you want that, I'll give you guys the link and you can share that. We'll definitely pop that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth, how about for you? Sure. Best way to, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> I hang out on Facebook. That's my social media channel of choice. And my personal page very is very active. And of course, at sevenfiguregoddess.com. You can find all the goodies that we've got. And as far as, so you can go to sevenfiguregoddess.com and, and check the scene out. And I would say definitely while you're there, if you are a transformational leader and you want to make a leap from six to seven figures, check out my book. It's called Seven Figure Goddess making the leap from six to seven figures in two years or less. And it's really about the being side of the equation. You know, it's that uh, Melanie, you were talking about how do I be this person now? We have a framework for that actually. <laughs> it's in the, and it's in the book and it's been really impactful for our folks. So you can find that at seven figure goddess. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, like Elizabeth, I spend probably not that you do, Elizabeth, but I spend probably too much time on Facebook. I really like Facebook people poo poo it, but I'm there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, mainly uh, Jennifer Longmore. And then because we were talking about money blocks, I thought, oh, yeah, if people go to souljourneys.ca, so make sure it's .ca, not .com, because someone else owns that domain. So if you want to go and harass him and convince him to give it to me, I'm all for that. (laughs) Anyways, uh, (laughs) ethically harass, of course. But anyways, if you go to souljourneys.ca forward slash money, that's going to tell you the five most common money blocks and then how to clear them, right? Because it doesn't matter what stage we're at in business, we're going to uncover something. Well, in fact, our journey, when we, as soon as we decide to up-level, I know we all know this, all of a sudden, you know, the, the great things happen, but the unconscious stuff comes up as well. And that way we can keep leaping and not get stuck in income plateaus all the time when we really know how to move through that stuff powerfully. Mm, love it. Thank you. It sounds very powerful. I love each of your resources. Sam, anything you want to say before we close out? No, I just, I've just said no, but yes. I want to thank all of you for sharing because it's been such a powerful discussion and one that I'm really passionate about. I think that we don't talk about money enough and especially as women unapologetically owning that we want to have financially successful companies is a game changer. So thank you so much for showing up. And one of my ahas and maybe even just it was reawakened in me is the importance of just deciding. And so as you're tuning in today, we'd love to hear from you. What are you deciding as this powerful (laughs) catalytic energy was shared with you today? Like, have you made a decision about the impact you want to have, the income you want to be owning in your business? And, you know, who is it that you need to be to pull that off? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening to this share what your aha was and how you're going to be the person who can make that next leap in your business. So thank you ladies so much for today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Next Level Influence. Before you go, would you subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player? We'd love to know what your greatest takeaway was from today's episode. Take a screenshot of the show and share with us on social. And be sure to tag us too so we can connect. Tune in next week for another Next Level Influence episode.